Welcome to Job Seekers Radio. I'm Andrew. And I'm Scott. This is the podcast dedicated to providing meaningful support to find great careers faster. Whether you're working or not, we are coming to you live from the city of Portland, that is... The City of Roses. And we're trying to keep it weird, as they say. Uh, if we you can ever, do that. Yeah. Go watch uh, Portlandia. You'll know what we're talking about. Today, we're talking about why LinkedIn is the best tool for job seekers. There are a lot of uh, job seeking tools out there. We don't suggest that you stop using any of them. What works for you works for you. But we tend to think, and we're not alone here, that LinkedIn is probably the premier site for those who are looking. And we're going to answer a few questions about why. Well, you get a lot of questions about LinkedIn because, you know, why should I be there? I've never gotten anything or I put up a profile years ago and never did anything with it. Um, That's an issue right there. What are they doing with my private information? Well, they're selling it, but that's another story. So you have to look at the monetization profile of of the company that you're putting sure. your data with, just like Facebook or anything else. But there's there's an easy way to approach these that it's, it's not going to put you in jeopardy. It's not threatening. Uh, you do need to do your due diligence and be careful about the, the information that you post on that. But we'll get to that in just a second. Yeah. I mean, there's countless um, resources out there that you can take and, and just as many resources and philosophies on LinkedIn that you can access. But I do know that it's an evolving platform. It is. And the platform continues to get better. Better is a, 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 a you know, it's subjective. I, I use that loosely. Right. Um, I mean, in terms of security, in terms of the way right. they're giving uh, the user more tools. Um, so, you know, it is an evolving platform. So just know that even though we're making this in, in what is 2018, by the end of this year, it could be something totally different. Right. And uh, we should mention up front, we are not associated with LinkedIn in any way. We get nothing from talking about them. Uh, we don't represent them. Uh, hopefully we represent them well in this discussion today because we are a believer of what they offer. But uh, I wouldn't say that there's any kind of conflict of interest on any level because we're not associated with them at all. We do like the the platform. We use it. uh, We recommend it. If for no other reason, because it's probably the largest platform of its kind. Yes, there are uh, groups like uh, Career Builder and Monster, very different in terms of their setup, the way they're used, the way employers use them. Um, the similarity stops at the resume, as far as I know. So uh, LinkedIn provides more in terms of giving the idea of who you are, what you're about, what you're good at, uh, because that's the way they set it up. It is, in fact, social networking. In this episode, we're really taking the perspective that how does a job seeker use this platform, right. even though that's not where LinkedIn makes their money? So you have to be clear about that up front, is that they make their money off of premium services, um, job postings, and advertising. And so if you looked at those three things, you'll know how LinkedIn is building their platform because it's a monetization funnel. Right. Okay. Right. So as a job seeker, we're taking specifically a job seeker's perspective, not a salesperson or a B2B uh, hey, I'm looking for a job or, or a promotion or something better than I have now. How do I use LinkedIn to make that a reality? Okay, so that's what we're going to focus on in this uh, particular episode. And so we came up with six things or six reasons why a job seeker should use LinkedIn regularly as a tool for finding jobs or promotion or career advancement. 
So the first one is that LinkedIn is an actionable platform. Uh, we, we are looking at this, and, and again, the, the, the question, why not use Indeed? And I'm just using that as an example. LinkedIn shows you uh, a whole bunch of information that you can't get uh, in a lot of other places, and certainly not on the job aggregators like Indeed. Uh, they don't have the same kind of profiles. Yes, you can upload your resume to uh, LinkedIn or to Indeed, but LinkedIn not only provides that, but it uh, allows you to indicate your interests your uh, recommendations that uh, I don't know of another platform where you can get recommendations in the same way. And that's not just your skills. They offer that too. Um, there are other websites out there that offer some ability to post the things that don't necessarily fall within your resume. But LinkedIn does the best job of giving a more uh, holistic view of what you can do, what you have done, and what your interests are. I look at LinkedIn as the first kid on the block because they've got, I mean, I don't know how many millions of users, hundreds of millions of users. I think the recent statistics I saw were somewhere around 200 million active users, That's even though huge. there's like uh, close to 800 million accounts or something. So it's a growing platform. They're adding, I think, one or two people a second to wow. the platform. So know that it's growing and people are going there because of the value that it provides in finding employment. Really, the reason that it's an actionable platform is it not only is your information there, which is really just a small part of the value of the platform, right. but everybody else is putting their information there. And so that creates an opportunity for you to, to interact with people, to do something to move your career search forward. Okay. And the, I know uh, recruiters and headhunters who only use LinkedIn as their source uh, for their source material. When they're looking for candidates, they can use, and this is a paid service that they usually use, uh, to uh, run reports powered by LinkedIn to find people with certain skill sets or certain experience. And it helps them to find you, in, in essence. So it's in, really important that as you're setting up your profile that you're listing out all of the skills that you can think of, all of the uh, areas of interest that make you get up in the morning, whatever that looks like. Be sure that you're putting that in your profile, not because that's personal information, but you're trying to drive connections so that as people are doing searches, they find you. Yeah. And as you reach out, they see your profile and they're like, wow, okay, this guy looks like he or gal ha looks like he has his stuff together. So, you know, they're going there to see your profile to say, okay, should I connect with this person? Should I have a conversation with this person? Should I even consider this person as right. part of my network? And, and so the, the quality of profile does matter. Yes. Just where I was going. But it matters even more when you're reaching out to people. So the, the idea here that LinkedIn is an actionable network in that, hey, I can take the information I see there and actually do something with it. So that's number one. Number two? Um, so we also want to talk about how you have control over your data. It's For some people, it feels really frightening to put personal information in a profile and wonder what's going to happen with it. Uh, are they going to keep my personal information private? They actually, LinkedIn has a vested interest in keeping your contact information secret 
because they want everyone to use their platform to connect with one another. So they restrict that ability. So it, you know, if I am not actually connected with you through a mutual friend, I can't just send you a message and say, hey, uh, I, I noticed that you, we have yeah. a couple of friends in common. You actually have to pay for the service to enable that communication. So there's that aspect of it. The other side of that is be cognizant of the information that you are providing. Similar to a resume, we make the blanket suggestion that you not put your address, for example, on a resume. That is irrelevant at this point since there are jobs either you uh, work remotely from home uh, or you have the ability to commute fairly long distances. So the idea that you have to put your address down, it doesn't matter, but also it keeps that information from spreading. Good point, because I know a lot of people who have, how would I say it, locked down their LinkedIn profile, but then they'll throw a copy of their resume as a document on there that has all their personal information on it. So even though LinkedIn is insulating you from uh, a vulnerability, you go ahead and put your resume up there and it has all that personal information on it. So just be cautious of everything that you're putting up there if, right. you, if you have concerns about privacy, okay? Because identity theft is a big deal nowadays. Uh, I mean, just go look at Facebook and all the, right. the stuff that they've faced in the last couple of years, you know, to, to see that. So the good news is LinkedIn only really requires three fields to be Let's see. No, that's four. Well, four fields. Uh, first is your name, and you don't even have to put your full name in. You can do a first name and a last initial if you desire. Um, you can also uh, you'll also show your number of connections. These are to people on the platform. Okay. Right. So if you're not on the platform, you don't have. You can make your profile private to where n nobody can see it outside of the platform. Right. And I'm not sure that's really valuable if you're looking for it, a job. It isn't, but for people who are concerned about right. it, it might be. Yes. Um, I know people who have had restraining orders and, and different things. So really just use common sense when you're doing this. Right. And so the, the third one is industry and the fourth one is region. So you don't even have to put in your city or your address. You can put in the United States if you wanted to, your country. And so as long as you have those four components, you can have a, a profile on LinkedIn. Virtually all of these component, components can be public, uh, but you can also set it for just your connections, just your network, which is to the second or third, third degree. degree. So in, anybody inside your network, which would be up to the third degree connection, could see that information. All right. Uh, or um, all LinkedIn users. Okay. Right. So there's there's uh, four categories there. So and, and this is actually by component. So you could do it for your profile photo or your headline or your summary or your experience or even excellent um you could put the role but not the details behind your experience so they really have toggles for every single section of the the profile so that you if you have concerns about privacy you have granular control down to that uh, level for for everybody that's going to access your profile they also have a really good um, support uh, contact. Uh, it's in the, the help that they offer, where if you're struggling with setting this up properly, they will help you set it up the way you want it, and they'll be able to talk you through it. But also remember, this is your professional profile. It's not for your personal information, other than making it obvious what your career path either has been, or more importantly, what the potential is 
That's the message you're sending out. So it's not something that you want to use. Like Instagram or Facebook or any of those others. This is the professional you. Or if you're selling business to business, it would be, what is the the solution that you're providing? In this case, we're taking it from job seeker perspective. And that is, what problem do you solve? What is your brand? What experience do you have that relates to those items? So it's really just the professional you, not 100% of the personal you. Right. And we'll we'll talk about setting up um, your profile in a minute, but thinking about the professional you, be sure that your photograph, uh, first of all, that you use it. But secondly, that it is a professional photograph. It's not a wedding photo. It's not, you know, your vacation photos, that sort of thing. We'll talk about that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, So the other thing is um, you can make your email visible or not visible, even if you're connected. It used to be if you were connected to somebody, um, you could see their email. Now that's not true. You can toggle off email to anybody that you want. So that brings us to number three, make new connections and professional relationships. So really the benefit as a job seeker in LinkedIn is that you get the opportunity to build a professional uh, persona and relationship with other people. That brings up a question, should I accept a connection request from anybody that sends me one? That's a difficult question to answer and we uh, recommend that you do what you feel comfortable doing. Uh, I know very well-connected people who say they only connect with those that they have met in person. They have their reasons for it, nothing to argue with, but they also have more than 500 connections. And so that becomes really, anytime you have a large number, it becomes Uh, really attractive to those who are trying to mine the various profiles for new leads, new contacts. Um, And so I I say tread carefully, but be okay as much as you can be with saying yes. Again, you may add value to their connection, but they may add value to to your conversation as well. This is all about visibility, okay? And so the more people you're connected to, the more visibility you have when you go to do a search. And so we recommend, and and you may not know this, but uh, once you get to 500, it doesn't keep counting. It just says 500 plus connections. And so the reason we say accept anyone until 500 is because after that, nobody's counting. Right. You'll see that in your own profile, but not on others as you, as you access those, it says 500 plus. You'll always be able to see how many you personally are connected to. But again, this is just a way to say, hey, I'm really well connected. These are usually people who have said yes to a lot. You think about it, we're not in contact with 500 people on a regular basis. None of us are. But it is good to have a, a large pool to connect to. Use your best judgment. Say yes when you can. Use a professional etiquette in the process. Absolutely. So I can tell you, I got three connections just yesterday. One, the, so I evaluate each one of these and I suggest everybody have some sort of evaluation philosophy. And and mine is, are you going to respond when I ask you, right? Because I want to, I don't care who I'm connected to really. I just want to make sure when I send them a message, they actually respond. Yes. Because at some point in my career or in my coaching practice, I'm going to introduce somebody to them. Yep. And I want to know that that person is going to respond to me. 
And this so, is a really good point. I do yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And when someone sends me a connection request, and it's obvious that we have some commonality, maybe it's in the work that we've done, maybe it's in the group of people that we know, whatever that looks like, I will go ahead and accept that request. But then I send them a message to say, how can I help you? Because if they are looking for my help, they will tell me that. If they are looking to just make a connection because the affinity, then I can follow up in a different way. If they don't respond at all, I generally don't keep that connection because the chances are pretty good that they're not really looking to connect with me. Yeah. They're looking to expand their their mining. Mm -hmm. they're, they're looking for new leads. I'm not comfortable doing that. Because when someone says, hey, I, I see you're connected with Scott and they're not actually connected in a real way, that has the potential of making me look bad. Yeah. So I just, I very respectfully calm it's, that one down. It's funny you mentioned mining because two of the three that I got yesterday, I mean, these people consider themselves like social media marketers or people that are experts on LinkedIn or, or how to uh, promote yourself on social, right? On the internet. And so I just sent him a, a message back. Hey, thanks so much. So the, I take it from a different perspective when I send a message back because I'm asking, it's very clear that there's value for them and me being connected to them. Sure. So I understand the value for them, but I ask them, how is your network going to be benefiting from connecting to me? I think that's a fair question. Right. So that they can, so that it forces them to go look at my profile and say, okay, well, I actually read your profile and just send you a... Uh, a Candy Crush Connect request, huh. you know? Uh, um, so just be cautious. LinkedIn's user interface isn't isn't the best for you to initiate these dialogues. They typically just have a connect button that you push. Right. And it and sends an automatic And it just accepts message. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, on both sides, right? So right. if you wanted to send back a message to say, hey, you know, why do you think we should connect? Or uh, why would uh, your, your network benefit from connecting to mine? Right. Uh, you just have to be careful not to hit connect and... Get yeah. more or reply to the message. I, there's a there whole... are a couple of places on the LinkedIn system that gives you an opportunity to connect with someone. If there's that that big list, you know, and it's really just the photographs and people's names yeah. and connect. You click that and it sends it and sends it on its way. Uh, I don't recommend using that function. The other way to do it is to go to the person's profile, click on connect there, and it gives you a, a dialogue box where you can type in your own message. Yeah. Use that. Yeah, because click the, the button that says personalize message yes. or, or um, send a note with your request. Because they now change the verbiage, you, but. those messages that come to me to say, hey, I met you today at uh, the breakfast club meeting. It was great to talk with you. Let's go do coffee. Those I'm always going to say yes to. I always accept those. Though The ones that come in with just the generic, I really look at whether or not I want yeah. to connect. Well, again... Here's the, here's the thing though, yes. Scott, and and I'll I'll play devil's advocate sure. on that one, and that is because the user interface on mobile is different than the computer. That is a good. And point. so when I go to your profile and I click connect, it just sends a connect. It doesn't allow you to it, the dialog box doesn't come up. All right. Right. So on on mobile, just be aware. Good point. Uh, that there's three dots at the top of the screen. Click the three dots, and then there's an option that says personalized message or personalized request. Uh, so you actually have to take an extra step to get access to that messaging. So after you've, after you've screwed up a couple of times, like <laughs> I have, you'll actually recognize, oh, I got to click this one yep. and, and, and do that differently. Great point. That brings us to number four. <laughs> you get to see people's faces. 
And, and I think that's, you know, the, the benefit of having a profile photograph is that you get to see Scott's face or my face or anybody's face most of the time on LinkedIn to see what they look like. Right. There are some people who don't want to post their photograph for whatever reason, and that's fine. There is, LinkedIn has done a number of studies, but they're not alone. Others have too. And the vast majority of those with a photograph get more uh, views. They have better results from using the platform than those who don't post a photograph. We as human beings are social animals. We want to connect with other people. And not being able to see the face makes that really difficult to get an idea of what someone is like their body language at least is implied in the photograph that they post so again we we highly recommend that you use a photograph use a professional photograph that doesn't mean a professional photographer if you can't afford that yeah. do it but taking a really good selfie and maybe you have to take a whole bunch of them but do that wearing professional clothes yeah. in good lighting uh, really be particular about what you're putting up there. As I said before, wedding photos, not a good idea. Well, especially back when you got married. I mean, when was that? That was a long time ago. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is, it, although that does bring up a... Yeah, a, 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 current, a, a current photograph. Yeah, it needs to be what... Because Within the last two years. You think about dating sites and the person posting yeah. a, a photograph that's 20 wow, years old. Wow, you look just like they, Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, and then they show up and they don't look like that anymore. Yeah. That's going to be true of LinkedIn as well. Keep it professional. It's not a vacation uh, rental website. So yeah. don't use a vacation photograph. If it's a picture of you with someone else and you just cut out the other person... That looks kind of cheesy. Yeah. So, well, especially if your head is like to the side yeah, and there's this open just, space here. Do Please don't do that. As somebody who looks <laughs> for candidates, uh, the, the picture makes a difference. It does. Make it a good photo. Yeah, and you're right. A good photographer is going to probably charge somewhere between three and $400 for a professional headshot. And that might be more than one with the touch-ups and everything. Sure. However, used to sell real estate. The best way to get a headshot for the cheap or cheaper or budget or what, if you're on a budget, I, I think the cheapest I've seen it is 50 bucks. And so what I would do if I were you, if you're interested, is contact a local real estate firm, a title company or something, a mortgage company and ask them, hey, where do you guys get your headshots done? And a lot of times the title company sponsors an event. They bring in all the mortgage brokers and the real estate people and they split the cost. What a great idea. It's a great idea. I didn't so, know anything about yeah, this. That's so fantastic. if you if you want to go on the cheap I've also I have a number of friends who are really good at just basic photography. They're not professional photographers, but they have a talent for it. How many of our friends are going to say, oh, no, I won't take your picture? If you tell them what you're doing, of course they're going to say yes. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and say, hey, I need a new headshot. Can you take a few pictures of me? They're going to say yes, and you're going to get better results than taking the picture in your bedroom and not aware of the fact that you haven't put your clothes away. Yeah, I mean, and your cat is in the background. Yeah, please and, don't oh. post those. We see yeah. them all the time, and I wonder why anyone would think that they're going to get hired using yeah. it. Well, what, what a great opportunity to network because that's something we've been talking about is how many people do you know in your network that uh, are photographers? 
or, or have that skill or, you know, so, hey, I was looking at it. What do you think of my profile photo? You know, it's like that, an icebreaker. <laughs> but that also, yes, exactly. Yeah. When, if you see someone in your network or just one step outside, ask them, who took your photograph? It's a great way to start a conversation. And you never know, you might connect with somebody well, I who can did. take a really good photograph. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then you're like, wow, you're a photographer? I didn't know that. No, I just do it as a hobby. So I think the, the other point of having a good photograph on LinkedIn is when you get ready to go interview, that the photo that you have there is the same as when you show up to the interview, you look relatively similar to your right. LinkedIn photograph because they know what to expect. Right. I, and when they see something different, that's called being out of integrity. And that's a great way to break trust. And so the whole point of having a photograph is to convey trust. And so the way to convey trust is actually making sure your eyes are open when you get a photograph. Not that you're, you know, opening your eyes super wide, right? So that you look crazy. But um, squinching, I guess squinching is something I'd never heard of a squinch. I hadn't but, either. So just make sure you have open eyes looking into the fo- in, into the camera and you're smiling with an open smile. Conveys vulnerability and transparency. And it, that's how you build trust. It also uh, communicates enthusiasm. And who doesn't want to talk to somebody who's enthusiastic about things? Now, can that go too far? Sure. So don't smile that big. But yeah, we might be here smile. all day talking about it. We could be. Yeah. <laughs> well, that brings us to number five. I can connect to hiring managers. Right. And so uh, this is the cool part about LinkedIn. It's like a search engine for hiring managers. And so when you think about LinkedIn and the reason you should use it as a job seeker, think about, hey, show me the senior director of project management because I'm a business analyst or, or project manager. I can use those keyword strings to actually find the people that would hire for that kind of role, whether there's one advertised or not. There are two things that come to my mind when talking about meeting hiring managers using LinkedIn. The first one is you may send a connection request and not hear anything back. Remember that that has nothing to do with you, so don't get discouraged if that happens. It happens a lot, especially in the companies or industries that are really popular in the moment. They're probably getting a lot of those, and so don't take that personally. However, if you can network your way to that person and so that you've built genuine relationships, albeit via LinkedIn, genuine relationships with people in their outer circle, the chances are pretty good that they will have a greater tendency to say yes to connecting uh, if they see that you're already connected with people that they do know. The other side is don't let that idea that they're not going to, to, to get back to you in so many cases stop you from reaching out because you never know which one is going to say yes. Starting the conversation is the hardest part. Have fun with it. See what you can do. Yeah, exactly. And so I always encourage people to reach out to a number of hiring managers, not just one, because a sample size of one is not a good indicator. I've seen that virtually 50% of the people you send a connection request to Uh, Granted, I'm assuming that you have a pretty good profile. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it's a good profile. 50% of the people you ask to connect will say yes. And so of those 50%, how many will say yes to a conversation or advancing um, a dialogue? Probably about 10% of those. So out of 10, you would get five say yes and maybe one 
maybe two, maybe one or two of, of those will actually say yes to a right. conversation. And remember that that personalized message that you send when you connect. If this is what gets them interested, it increases your chances to have that conversation. We won't belabor that any any further, but it's an important step. So as you're reaching out and talking to these hiring managers, don't be afraid to set it up according to all these commonalities so that they have a reason to say yes. It's also an opportunity for you to see second-degree connections to the hiring managers. Instead of shortcutting and going directly to a hiring manager, you might actually reconnect because if you have a a network as big as ours, you know, mine's, um, I think, over 4,000 now. Uh, I don't know if I remember that person. So maybe I want to, or maybe I've never had a conversation with that person. I might want to reach out to that person anyway as part of my networking to say, hey, uh, here's my situation. I'm looking for um, opportunities in this area. Do you have some time for me? Uh, and so there's sometimes there's no shortcut to get to the hiring manager. But the nice thing is that information is there for you to use. It's right. transparent. And that's a good segue to number six is, is being introduced or making introductions. There's an obvious opportunity for us to, to get introduced to people using LinkedIn because that's the reason why LinkedIn exists. But one of the things that that comes to me is when I hear people say, oh, well, I didn't really want to introduce you because I don't know that person well, or it's been too long since I've spoken with that person. If you're doing it through LinkedIn, they're expecting it on some level. Otherwise, why are they on LinkedIn? If someone comes to me and asks me, would you introduce me to this person that you are connected with on LinkedIn? I'm going to say yes. It may be that I haven't spoken to that person in four years. As the person making the introduction, I will say, hey, Joe, it's been four years since we've spoken, but I have a a connection here who is interested in speaking to you, and I think it's worth a conversation. I will still make that introduction. I am at no risk involved as long as I set it up well. If you are less inclined to um, ask for the introduction, but you can be comfortable making introductions. Maybe that's how you start the conversation. It, it is a two-way street, and LinkedIn is the place to do it. So be bold. One thing to consider is if I'm making an introduction for you, I'm going to tell you whether or not I have a strong connection there. Absolutely. I'm 100% open to making the connection, but I want to make sure you understand this is an arm's length person. Right. Or this is pers- some expectations. Right. This is a person that I have their cell number and we talk on a weekly basis. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to give you that information. So if if the person that you're asking for introduction as an introducer for you, make sure you get that information. Say, hey, what, how, what's the strength of your connection? Would you be okay introducing me? Sometimes they say no just because they don't understand, but that's okay. Right. I mean, it's not a perfect thing. Um, but the idea, the reason I say that is because sometimes you put over emphasis on just because you're connected on LinkedIn that you actually know this person. So don't think that because I'm connected to them that I actually know them well. None of us can know maybe more than 50 people well. And so I would just let you know that that's something. Now, if you're looking to make a connection for somebody else, being proactive about it, I think is a good idea. And so if I know that Scott is looking for, let's say, a chiropractor or a a physician or something, I don't know, I'm happy to say, wow, you know, he mentioned that the other day. Maybe I should just be proactive and introduce him to somebody and see where that goes. Now, it may not go anywhere, but the idea is if somebody does that, what reputation did I just build with Scott? Is that now he, he looks at me as somebody who's proactive, 
willing to do something. And so even if that doesn't result in any kind of outcome positive, I still feel good that I built a relationship that I can leverage later. Right. Not that I'm looking to make that the basis of our relationship, but it's something that I know that I've done good to somebody else yes. that um, at some point I can I can leverage that back to my side. There's one other thing as you're making connections for people. I, I want to make sure that they are actually sincere about making the connection. Again, I, I really hesitate when I feel like I'm, I'm just a sales tool for them or they're looking for leads, they're mining my, my contacts. Uh, so I'll verify what they're what they're after. Now, many of the conversations that I have, I'm talking to somebody who's looking for work. The the motivation is real, it's obvious, and we don't have to discuss it at length. But for example, someone uh, I, I got a request not too long ago from someone that I don't know well that is currently working, and they had asked for a connection with some other contacts that I have, and. The nature of their work was such that I knew that they would be looking for leads. So I asked a few questions before I made the introduction to make sure that I could make the right introduction. Because if I'm going to introduce a salesperson, for example, and I, having worked in sales for many years, I know a lot of them. So when one of them would contact me and ask me, hey, would you introduce me to this person? I'm going to try and figure out why so that in the introduction, I can make the statement, this is why... Joe is asking to be connected with you, and I, I trust Joe, and so I'm putting the responsibility on Joe to help make sure that this introduction is genuine, mm -hmm. it's sincere, and there aren't ulterior motives. I even used to send people at Breakfast Club, when, when I introduced them to somebody, I actually gave them, I think it was a list of like seven or eight or nine things that they were required to do if they wanted that introduction. And that's primarily because I wanted to get them in a best practice mindset. And the best practice was, hey, if I give you an introduction, you should respond to that almost immediately with your contact information and your your thanks and whatever and your availability, okay? Or don't ever send your resume was one of the requirements I right. had on there. Uh, the other one was, hey, if you don't meet them within 48 hours or have a conversation or dialogue within 48 hours, you contact me back and say, hey, I tried. 48 hours is up. What do you suggest? Here's their cell number. Call them on their cell. Have some sort of uh, requirements that if you're doing an introduction for somebody else, that you can have a checklist or some uh, minimum set of criteria right. that, that, and, that and you And at least use. a way to follow up. Yeah. Because follow up is going to help you the most. It's, it's how we follow up that builds our credibility. So and when we think about trust and networking and all the things associated with these, um, if I don't have the credibility of being the person who follows up well, the chances are less that I'm going to have an effective conversation and networking opportunity. So what other questions do you have about LinkedIn? Go to jobseekersradio.com. There's a contact button there. Ask us any other questions you want answered about using LinkedIn in your job search, and we'll either re reply directly if you want to keep it private, or we'll actually answer that question on a future episode. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of Job Seekers Radio. Your investment of time and attention is really important to us, and we appreciate it. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to get future episodes. If you feel like binge listening and this is the first time you've found us, please, by all means, download them all and listen to them all. 
We're happy to help in any way we can. Yeah, there's this great feature. It's called 2 and 3x speed on the podcast app. Check it out. I mean, you can get through these episodes fairly quickly. While you're there at iTunes, would you please rate and review this podcast? It really helps us spread the message and get more people involved in expanding their careers more quickly. And if there's something we can do differently that actually is helpful to you, we'd like to do that too. Well, I'm Andrew. And I'm Scott. Thank you for joining us on Job Seekers Radio. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.